back to the Grainfields podcast. And can I just say, I love that drum feel that you play to end out that intro, Dylan. You're so welcome, Noah. <laughs> I love the piano throughout the whole of the intro. It really just depicts uh, our love for Christ. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> That's good, Dylan. We hope you're well. Thank you for joining us. Back with another episode of Q&A with the boys or the fellas or the brethren. Um, we're excited. We hope you are too. And uh, yeah, so the the question that we're answering today has been asked by Ando. And that question is, what makes Christianity different from any other religion? What a fantastic question. But before we get into it, mm. I've got another um question for you, Dylan, for our listeners out there. Yeah. Um, I would go as far as to say that you're a bit of a connoisseur of the snacks. And so for any of our listeners who are wanting to venture into the world of snacking, can you give them your top three snacks mm-hmm. and can you just justify why? Because sure. it's quite a polarizing world, really. Yeah, sure. Um, I can do that. Cool. I'm, yeah, feeling really good about this question. Thanks. Um, so firstly, I'm going to I'm gonna choose top three snacks based on mood and scenario that you're in. <laughs> so firstly, and this is probably my top snack ever, just like... You're never going to go wrong, regardless of mood or scenario, is Box of Shapes. <laughs> what flavor, Dylan? That's where it depends on mood. Scenario. Okay, okay. So, like, I for example, the, the other day, I had a box of savory shapes. Yep. And so that was what well, I was just, it's cold evening, in bed, nice and warm, probably like chilling, reading a book or watching some YouTube or something. And smacking them. Sh- the whole box was gone. <laughs> so, <laughs> shapes are great because they're tasty. You can get away with trying to justify that they're not unhealthy. Oven baked, not fried. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, there's that. Sure, so right. I'm going to keep moving for yep. the sake of time. Uh, your time not being wasted by my bollocks. I don't think anyone's feeling like their time's wasted right now, Dylan. Great. I feel valued. Two. Uh, <laughs> snack two. So we've got shapes. That's basically go anytime. Two. Now, this is going to be controversial because it's not actually a snack. Oh. But I'm going to pair it with a snack. So it is still a snack. Cup of tea. And you can pair that with... <laughs> that is not listen, a listen, listen, listen. Pair it with a biscuit or a cookie. So <laughs> that that's a snack. Because it's a combination of consumption that creates a snack. Mate, we're like going to have, have so many fiery listeners uh, writing in and telling us... I don't want to hear it. <laughs> a cup of tea with, with a biscuit. So we're talking like black tea with a dash of milk. Yep. And then some form of um, like Anzac biscuit is nice. Any form of cookie is also good. Third and final snack, and this is probably like <sighs> this is hard. Third and th- third and final snack, and this is what I'm locking in for my final snack is yep. just like a crumpet. Okay. Nice, so nice. especially, and that's like contextualized with winter now that we're in like well into winter and it's cold, and this is where it gets controversial. Crumpet with butter, Vegemite, and a slice of cheese. Okay, <laughs> hear it, hear me out. A good, well-cooked crumpet, not overburnt and not undercooked so it's soft. You want it like somewhat hard, but still got give in it. The butter will give the give. Load that sucker up with Vegemite. <laughs> Slice of pre-cut cheese, like beaker, you know, extra strong, whatever we've got going here. doesn't really matter. Thinly sliced. Put it on quickly so it's hot. So the butter melts, Vegemite, and then the cheese melts on top. And I kid you not with a cup of tea. Wow. <laughs> wow. Second salvation, that is. Wow. So there it is. Well, you've heard it first from our resident snack connoisseur, Dylan, who doesn't mind a cheeky snack. Correct. 
And you know what I don't mind? Why don't you mind, Dylan? No, what does make Christianity different <laughs> from any other religion? Um, that is a great question. Um, I think very simply put, um, is that there are fundamental differences and at best superficial similarities between different religions. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of the approach that we will take in answering this question is recognizing that there are major fundamental differences. Um, and, and really in essence, though it might sound simple, what makes Christianity fundamentally different from all other religions is their view of Christ, of Jesus, mm-hmm. that he is the Christ. Um, religions go a couple of different ways when they look at this historical figure of Jesus. Some religions or worldviews make him out to be a good teacher or a good prophet. Some, particularly modern, you know, you look at the atheistic and, you know, the, the religion that is just based on your own self, ignore him completely, despite mm-hmm. him and his works being some of the most historically acclaimed and verified facts of all time, really. And only Christianity acknowledges Jesus as the Messiah or the Christ. And so this kind of follows on from where we were talking about in our first podcast about the gospel. If Christ is the Messiah and Christians rightly view him biblically and historically, he has therefore made our sin right before a holy God. And there is no more work for humans to do to justify themselves in a salvific way. Like there's nothing we can do to appease God or make ourselves right with God other than Christ. He's our mediator for us. The only way that we can achieve that is through believing that Christ did that and repenting from our old way of life. So the other four major worldviews that we have, Islam, Buddhism, Hinduism, Judaism, and their deterrence, of course, place the emphasis on someone's ability to appease and justify themselves before God, or in some cases, ultimately become their own God as self. Mm-hmm. <coughs> so that's our general idea here of, of how Christianity um, is in opposition and is it claims a very opposing um, worldview. Um, so the first point that we've sort of, we're going to talk about here is yep. that Christianity is a monotheistic religion. Yeah. So Isaiah 44 verse six, thus says the Lord, the King of Israel and his redeemer, the Lord of hosts. I am the first and I am the last. Besides me, there is no God or Deuteronomy 4:35. to you. It was shown that you might know that the Lord is God and there is no other beside him. Or if you want another one, Isaiah 43, verse 10, you are my witness, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me, no God was formed, nor shall there be any after me. It is very clear all throughout scripture that God claims that he is the one and only true God. Yeah. So this claim is not necessarily exclusive to Christianity because there are (coughs) other religions such as Judaism, (coughs) sorry, and (laughs) Islam that are also claim to believe in a singular God. Um, However, uh, Christianity specifically claims that there is a belief in one God who eternally exists in three persons, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So that is unique to Christianity, that our God is a triune God in which there is one God who has existed eternally in those three um, persons. So, and and, um, this big uh, claim of monotheism uh, is a direct objection to this this term that we can use in, in defining worldviews is, is a view of relativism, which is that there is no objective truth in anything. So that and that and that's where a lot of these modern, more modern religions, which Noah was talking about before, where they almost disregard any any claim of of like Christ existing, Jesus existing, um, or of God being, existing, of God existing, basically, is that 
my truth for myself, whatever it may be, is true for me. And you can have your own truth because there is no objectivity in anything. Mm -hmm. So to say that two plus two is four is theoretically a subjective statement. Okay. Or to say that Noah's jumper currently is red is actually subjective because it can be viewed in many, many different ways. Mm -hmm. Whereas this object, um, this claim of monotheism says that there is one God and he is good and right and just, and he defines what good is. So therefore there must be an objective truth. Mm. And you notice um, throughout lots of, so we, we've said the word monotheistic and that just means one mono one and theistic God. So there's one God. Um, if you look at other, other worldviews, uh, you might have views that say there are multiple gods or pantheistic views, which say that God is uh, in the very matter that he created, like God is revealed in, as in like... God is in nature. Yeah, like Mother Nature. Yeah. So you find the essence of God within physical things such as plants and trees and um, even like you go inside that there is some cosmic... Um, cosmic makeup within a person mm. that is like you can so soul search and find god within yourself yeah um which christianity clearly objects to because it says this you know if you go deeper into yourself all you're going to find is sin and corruption and um, pain and suffering so that's where christianity has a, a big claim and then this actually causes uh, there to be a reaction in that the individual either goes okay so if there is one objective true god Either you submit to that God mm -hmm. or you out, outwardly reject him because either he does exist or he doesn't exist. But if he does exist, there's something that uh, there's an implication for your life and which we'll, we'll talk about more, which is more tied up in what Jesus does um, physically on earth on the mm -hmm. cross. Yeah, so we might round off that idea of monotheism there. But quickly before we go, just a quick note to us as Christians, because God is monotheistic, it means that we serve God monotheistically mm. in the sense that we have one master in our lives. Um, we can't love Christ and our pride or Christ and our love for money or Christ and our love for our comfort in sin or any of those other things. In fact, Jesus in a sermon on the Mount, let me just get it up in Matthew 6, 24. Yep. Um, he'll talk about these ideas in that you can't serve two masters. Yeah, it says, No one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So that's kind of where he's talking about uh, laying up your treasures in heaven. So as we live out our Christian lives, we have to um, put Christ as the center. Mm -hmm. And that's a massive challenge, right? Because there is so much in this world that is, particularly in our Western world, that is grabbing our attention away from it and wanting us to serve it as, a, as, as the master. For instance, like work. Like mm. I think it's so easy to fall into, um, you know, like workaholism. Workaholic, workaholism, is that it? Sure. Workaholic, Sounds workaholism, yep. Where you serve your work or the comfort that that work provides or the money that it provides and the, and the comfort that that money provides. Um, but really, we see it all throughout Scripture, not just in Christ's teaching, even God in His commandments that He gives His people in His first commandment, He says that we will have no other gods before Him. Mm. And then in His second, that we should make no other idols. God is jealous for our devotion to Him. In a good sense. Yeah. Because it's best for us because he defines what is good, remember? So he wants what is best for us and yeah. what will bring him glory. So cool. That's like, you know, awesome, Noah. That's great. You know, we uh, claim to be a monotheistic faith, yep. just like other ones. But what's to say that Christianity is true? Why does, you know, how, how does that 
differ from Judaism. Can't I just go? I can go follow Islam then because it's monotheistic. But the answer that we find in in so that that's a that's a great claim. However, it doesn't make Christianity any more right any more right than the others. So what what's next? What 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 else contributes to it being a um, alternative faith that has a different plot com, um, claim on its worldview, but then also makes it right? Yep. So the next big thing that I guess we would go to as Christians as is is God's answer to the problem of sin. Mm. So we most worldviews will understand that there is something that is inherently wrong within humanity mm. and evil. Yeah. Some some religions call it sin, Judaism or Christianity. Um, in Buddhism, it's that you are not that you haven't you're not enlightened. Mm-hmm. Um, so we recognize, as most worldviews do, that we are plagued by sin and inherently evil because of our disobedience and disbelief in God. Um, we are now in opposition with the Creator, and therefore, to be redeemed, we must meet requirements. Um, now that looks very that looks differently in multiple different religions. Mm. For Christianity, we understand that as sin against a holy God. For Buddh- <laughs> Sorry, my dog's barking. I hope you can't hear that. Um, in, in the Islam faith, it's a similar concept that we have fallen short of Allah's requirements for our living mm-hmm. and that we now do acts to atone for that. Or Buddhism, that you're not enlightened and you have to deny yourself to reach that enlightenment and make yourself God, your own God of yourself. So yeah, really... The big difference in this idea is that God gives us an answer to sin in the form of Jesus as the Messiah, mm. as our mediator on behalf of our sin to pay for our sin. So the answer is that in the person of Jesus Christ. So this is a really good picture that many um, good biblical teachers have used. And like specifically, I just watched something on David Platt who talked about it, who's a um, great biblical teacher. And this is, and he talks about it in, in a very... Um, visual representation way. This is the way that we can view it. That there is, let's say, a mountain and God is at the top. He is separate from um, humanity in the sense that he's set apart, he's perfect, he is holy, he's all of these things that we are not because of sin. And all of these other religions, because of this problem of sin, require us to climb that mountain and get to God ourselves. So Islam, we work. We try to justify ourselves by our good works um, and please God in the way that we, we live our lives. So we have this mountain and we have this predicament that we're separated from God, but we are intended to be with him. So we have this mountain and all these other religions say, you know, find yourself, look inwardly and find God in yourself or outwardly work out your um, behavior in that you can justify yourself. Even though we know that sin sin means that um, no deeds are good, only God is good. Um, So we have this predicament. But what Christianity says is that rather than um, sitting back and letting humanity try and find God, God himself comes down into the midst of humanity and that is in the person of Jesus Christ and that is where we find the answer to sin. Not in ourselves, not in our own works, not in our own striving, but rather in the work of Christ on the cross um, where he comes down the mountain to meet humanity. He stoops low and humbles himself um, and he becomes a mediator for mankind, which was completely brought about by God himself. Which we talked about in the last episode, right? And there's that, like in Ephesians 2, right? There's that great thing where it talks about by grace you've been saved through faith and this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God. Yeah. So we recognize that there is nothing that we did to actually earn that and that it was God who did it because he chose to mm. out of his good self, which is just astounding. Because you look at, 
Because the thing is, right, is the way that you view God, or I guess it goes both ways, the way that you view the gospel, or I guess the essence of your religion, shapes how you view God, and vice versa, the way you view God shapes your gospel. The reason that Christianity is very different is that it actually has good news, in the sense that there is hope for us sinners. Yeah. We were, um, so Dylan and I do some, some like university evangelism just on campus, just walk up and chat to some guys, and we got chatting to some Islam boys Muslims. yeah was yep muslim boys and we would we asked them like so we kind of went down the route of oh so like how do you deal with this issue of sin in your lives like what's your way mm. to atone or to pay for these sins or to make yourself right with god and they said oh yeah like we we do our pray prayers throughout the day and in between those prayers if we stuff up you know allah forgives us every time we pray, pray. And we're like so what if you die before you pray mm. what happens and they were like, uh, we don't really know. We, it, we just hope. We just hope. Hope that hope that um, Allah lets us go to heaven. Yeah. Because it's, it's ironic because already in Islam you're striving. So And these guys were talking about how like um, they, they were already openly admitting that they were not meeting up to the requirements of, yeah. of what Islam required them to do. They were like, yeah, we, we don't, don't do all, so well at it. Yeah, we don't do so well at it. And then not not only do they not do so well at it, but when you get to the end, when you die, when you stand before Allah, you, there is no certainty in um, whether you will go to heaven and eternally exist with him or hell. Yeah, there's no assurance. Even no the, the greatest person, which is hard to do because we're all plagued by sin, has no assurance whether God, because it is just in God's hands. There is no assurance. There is no mediator for us. No one stands before us before a holy God. We stand alone. But scripture tells us that a, a sinful man before a holy God receives only one thing and that is what he deserves which is eternity separate from god mm. so yeah that was a really interesting experience for both of us to go yeah. like well there is no hope and and all other religions it's just you're climbing the mountain but yeah. will you get there no scripture tells us we will never get there because apart from christ there is no salvation it talks about it in acts four twelve, and all um, throughout the rest of scripture yeah <laughs> and, and, and throughout the whole of scripture but there is no s- salvation in no one else from there, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. It is Christ alone, and we see it all throughout the Gospel of John that um, no one comes to the Father except through me. Mm-hmm. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I yeah. am the bread of life. I am the resurrection, and the life. So practically, what what does that mean? How should we live knowing that um, God has solved sin Himself, um, and there's nothing that we can do to do that? Well, I guess we we live and we rest in that truth. Mm-hmm. We shape our lives around that. I think I know for me personally, even though I I know the gospel and I can explain it to someone, I am so prone to forgetting it throughout my day. Yeah. That I forget that I no longer need to work for my own salvation. I forget that um, a good God mediated for me on my own behalf by Christ. And sometimes I do things in order to try and justify myself without even realizing it. Yeah. Um, and so it's really important that we receive this good gift that God has given us. You know, you don't give a gift to your mum and say, yep, okay, now you can just uh, earn it back by uh, doing yeah. the dishes for me. Uh, it's just not how gifts work. Otherwise, they're not gifts. It's mm. not grace. It's not unmerited anymore. So there's no point in trying to break yourself, trying to earn the salvation because you don't need to. Mm-hmm. Rather, live and rest and enjoy the fact that God has chosen to save you and set his affections on you. And that's like super important for Christians and also in your understanding of the of Christianity and the gospel when you're sharing it with others, which we're going to get to next episode. Um, 
But what we must remember in this, and this is one of our um, major points, is that for God to solve that problem of sin himself, it requires Jesus to be God himself. Mm. And that is because, like, like we mentioned earlier, there are requirements that we must now meet in order to be back in relationship with God because God is holy, he is without sin, and he, he cannot dwell within sin because it is against his nature. Uh, so this is where Christ being God allows him to be mediator for us. And therefore we can trust in his atonement because he is God. Yeah. And remember we talked about in our first episode, the fact of the matter that he, all throughout the Old Testament, God gives humans escape plans to try and work out their own salvation. And they all failed. Mm. Kings, judges, prophets, the law. Um, what else was there? Big prophets, little prophets. Yeah. Even Noah and the flood. Sacrifices. Yep. Innocent animals. It was not an issue that could be fixed by humanity. So we recognize that God, that, that sin is really a God-sized issue. It can't be fixed by humanity. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's evidence of that all throughout the Old Testament. Like The whole Testament is, is just really a story about humanity's failure to fix sin. Um, so therefore, we need God to deal with this issue himself. And he does that through Christ, just like you were saying, through Jesus. Yeah, and we see that in John 1, where it talks about that, that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory is the only son from the Father, full of grace and truth. We see it later on in John, where it talks about, I and the Father are one. So this, this uh, confirms for us that Christ is both fully human and fully man. And therefore, dealing with sin is a God-sized issue. But Christ himself, G- Jesus Christ, is God. God. Yeah. And therefore he is sufficient in dealing with sin because he has those that, that very same nature as God because he is God. He is without sin. He is that he is holy. He is perfect. And therefore he could deal with that sin, that justice that was required in order to return us back to the Father in relationship was met through uh, the atonement on the cross because Jesus was without sin and therefore could receive that payment that was that was due to God, the wrath being satisfied, and then then rise, be resurrected from it, and conquer death so that we may then have a way in which we can have a relationship with God. Mm. That's good, Dylan. I just want to read Philippians 2. Mm. I think it's a really beautiful passage that talks about it really well. Paul picks up on this idea. He says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. I think that really encapsulates the fact that Christ, even though he was in the form of God, he was God, did not count that glory as his reign in heaven to be um, grasped and emptied himself by taking the form of humanity. And really that emptying is not necessarily like he took away his God-like nature, but he added humanity to his Godness. So we talk about this idea in theology as the incarnation, where Christ is both 100% God and 100% man. Um, and that is different to other religions in the sense that um, uh, Judaism or the Islam faith will say that um, Jesus was a good prophet. Mm. Or Buddha will say he was a good teacher. Mm. Or Hinduism. Yep. Good teacher. Yep. Or atheists will say, yeah, he was a good teacher, had good ideas, had a good moral good moral compass. Yep. That we should live by Ten Commandments. Remove the first one. 
Yeah. <laughs> because that doesn't count. But the other one, Take what you want. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pick the good parts out. Yeah. But yeah, ultimately, unfortunately, being a good prophet or a teacher or a good moral compass does not fix the issue of sin unless he is God. Mm. So practically, how does this look for the Christian? Um, and how does it look for the non-Christian? Um, so Christ made a way f- for us, and therefore Christ being God himself and mediating and standing before the Father for us and providing salvation for us means we should get to know him. Yeah, We should get to know the one who saved us. We should get to know the God who desires relationship with us and has provided relationship for us mm-hmm. through his son. So let's get to know him. Um, let's spend time getting to know him uh, because we know that any good relationship is spent with getting to know the other person. Otherwise, it's not really a relationship at all. Yeah, that's very true. And you also notice that even in your, we've probably talked about this many times on this podcast, but the more you know about someone and the more time you spend with that person, the more affection you have for that person. Mm. That's just the natural progression of relationships in the way that God designed them, like a good creator he is. Yeah. So to conclude this episode, we just wanted to read a, um, a good quote by the president of Reformation Bible College, Stephen Nichols. Um, And he says this about this question. If we are talking about apologetics or talking about the gospel, remember this and don't lose sight of it. Christianity teaches a gospel of grace. Luther had a great line in which he said that ultimately he was a beggar who knew where where to go to find bread. That is what we are. We are not better than anyone else. We are not self-righteous. We are not superior. We are not beggars. No, we are beggars, sorry. (laughs) We just know where to find bread. Actually, we didn't even find that bread. We were led to it. It was thrown into our lap. We were given it. We were told, eat this. And that is a picture of the salvation that Christianity offers, and that differs radically to all other faiths. Thank you for joining us this evening. We hope that you have enjoyed it as much as we have, and we look forward to talking about evangelism in our next episode. Wow. See you soon.